Hey guys, this is Alexis. And this is Tremus. And you're listening to More More Wine, Wine, Please. What up, folks? We're back again. And we're back. And we back, and we back, and we back. Okay, sorry. Side eye. All right. On this episode, we're going to talk with a fellow millennial and have conversations about being gay and being a woman and being a gay woman and everything in between. And of course, it wouldn't be more wine, please, if we didn't do it with a little bit of wine. So uh, we're going to get into all of that later on. But first, Lex, we going to dish and you're going to tell me what made you pour your glass this week. So this week... Um, Miss Stephanie Clifford made me grab my glass. Oh, that is her name, right? Yeah. I think that we should call <laughs> the woman by her name. Well, Stephanie but, is also known as, uh, but what does she go by? Right? Like my name is William, but I go by Trey, you know, her name is Stephanie Clifford. I mean, Clifford. Beyonce went by Sasha Fierce at one point, but like her name's Beyonce. You know what I mean? Kind I just of, like I'm not gonna fight I, you like, on Beyonce. Ha, like, I'm not trying okay. to start that with you. Okay, today. I just so wanted to like be like go there for a second. Okay. Um so Stormy Daniels, um, <laughs> aka Stormy, aka Stormy Waters. Um <laughs> Yeah. I shouldn't be laughing. Continue. So I don't know if I want to call her Miss Daniels or Miss Clifford. Because Miss Clifford. Miss Daniels. Like okay, that. we're gonna go with Miss Daniels. So Stormy Daniels is a porn star. Um She's a well, woman who did or does porn. We're not calling her a star. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, she is also a producer. Of porn. Of porn. Um, Pornography. She's pretty much like an all around renaissance woman in the porn industry. Let's leave, let's put it there. Okay. Okay. That's, I mean, hey, she's made a name for herself. I think she has. I think she has. So Stormy was brought into the political conversation recently when it was um, alleged that she had an affair with now President Donald Trump back in 2006. um, And right before the election, that a top Trump advisor or lawyer paid Stormy Daniels about $160,000 to keep quiet about the affair. Was it 130? Oh, I'm sorry. Just go back. Okay. Um, so Stormy made news recently when she was accused of having a, not accused, she came out and said that she had a sexual affair with Donald Trump back in 2006. Um, well, who cares? Fast forward to the election when he was candidate, Donald J. Trump, and it's alleged that his lawyer paid her $130,000 to keep quiet about the entire thing. 130 stacks. 130 grand. Yeah. To not mention it. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. Um, And people are kind of talking about it a bit because... 
Melania would have been his wife at the time. We got to clarify because you know the man has been through a few. Newly so, married. Newly wife. married. Melania would have just had a baby back in 2006. And so she would have been at home with her infant child after giving birth to, to, their, to, their, to his seed, to one of the <laughs> heirs to his throne. And out goes Donald Trump with the porn star. Here's the thing. I don't care. I don't care. What? Let me clarify. We are talking about this. This is making headlines, and I quite honestly could care less. What he did in his personal life back in 2006 is between him, Melania, and poor little Byron. Isn't that the child's name, Byron? Baron. Baron. God dang it. Poor little Baron. <laughs> poor little Baron. That's their business. I, as a, as a citizen... Um, as a person who can vote, I could care less. Okay, I would just like to make a connection to, let's imagine that this is President Obama, right? Yeah. And we see how hard people were on Michelle Obama for showing her arms right. in a dress that she wore. That's one example I can think of. I don't right. know. Didn't she like wear even... pants on Air Force One? She wore shorts on Air Force One. Remember, and Fox News crucified her. So yeah, there was a lot going on, and even before then, people have held presidents and their families and family members by association to a much higher standard in terms of morality. Do you really have to get it? You were saying. As I was saying before, I was so goddamn rudely interrupted. You don't remember, do you? I don't know. What was I saying? Um, what I was saying is that what he does in his personal life at this point, I could, I could care less. And you were drawing a parallel to President Obama and Michelle wearing sleeveless tops and Shorts yeah, I mean, one. it's. I, I'm not going to add anything super new or insightful to the conversation that has, that's being had about this, right? Like, Donald Trump has degraded what we expect from the president. Sure, but I guess my point in saying that I don't care is just that in the grand scheme of the things that he said and the things that he's done, this is very, very low on my list. True. I mean, I think the more important... <laughs> I think the more important aspect is how low are they willing to stoop? What aren't they willing to do? If you're willing to pay off a porn star, if Donald Trump is cheating on his wife, why wouldn't they be involved in some sort of, I don't know, uh, money laundering or fraud or some sort of illegal activity? And all the while, this Mueller probe is going on, and I think people are wondering, okay, well, does this come into consideration? Is this something that is going to be taken into account when you're questioning people on the staff, questioning, as we just found out, Trump himself is going to be interviewed in the coming weeks? For sure. I just don't want this very TMZ topic to take away from DACA, to take away from the racist remarks that he's made to take away from what he's doing in the Middle East to take away, like, you know what I mean? There's take so many away more from... issues that he has 
I'm not, you know, has, has taken a stance on and we'll leave it at that. Whether you agree with his stance or not, he's taken a stance on them. And I think that we should be debating and, and ripping apart his decision making as a policymaker, especially when he has made so much, um, such a footprint in policy at this point during in his term as a president. You know, I think that if, if let's just say if this was Obama, right? Remember, Obama pretty much laid low. We didn't cover the president every single day when Obama was in president. Like, for no president do you cover them every single day. There were yeah. weeks, at least a week, where you didn't have to hear from the president, okay? Well, that would be breaking, and it should be enough to disrupt our, um, our news cycle. However, when our news cycle is already the president and possible collusion and, and um, illegal activity... That, to me, should be the headline. I'm not saying Stormy isn't important. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying if, if it was a more normal president, it would be, I would find it far more important. But at this point, he's shown his true character. Yeah. Like, what are we going to be that. surprised? You know what I mean? He's shown his character. This is just another uh, nail in the coffin. It's not uh, riveting by any means, you know? Yeah, I think... People are just having their way with the story because it's so it's scandalous. Sexy. It's yeah. scandalous. But it's at the like... same time, you know, it was consensual. Not to mention the 20 plus women who have actually accused Donald Trump of sexual harassment exactly. or assault. And so in that sense, this story is nothing. It's, it's mm -hmm. meaningless. It's, you know, I, I always say I would have been I'm not shocked. To hear exactly. That this like I'm, I'm like, not shocked. It's like they should do, um, you know, true or false with Donald Trump. Right. And the more absurd <laughs> the claim is, it's like the more likely people I think would guess it's true. That should be in our next poll, <laughs> the next, <laughs> the next Gallup poll, Quinnipiac right. poll, or something. No, I just listen. I agree that the moral standing of the presidency has been is in question. However, I just. With everything going on, I don't know. How, I don't think it should get too much media attention. I'm with you. So, Trey? Yo. What made you pour your glass this week? Okay. What made me pour my glass this week? Or specifically last night, I did read this Erica Badu article as I sipped a glass of wine in my bed. And I took my time with it. I digested it. I consumed it. And I was seeing a lot of backlash about it on Twitter before. Okay, go back to it because I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So Erica Badu was interviewed for an article in Vulture.com. And in this interview, she essentially said that she saw good in Hitler. Um, uh... Trying to make the point that she sees, she tries to see good in everyone and not jump to conclusions without getting the facts and contextualizing where people are coming from, why things happen a certain way. It's a strange exchange and it came across and probably came out absolutely wrong, but she was using an exaggeration to prove a point. I'm not justifying it. The shit was wrong. It was trash, but... 
there was the article was much longer and so much more and deeper than what people chose to pull out and quote on Twitter and turn into this meme frenzy and this, you know, people are dragging and collecting Erica Badu on Twitter. And I'm just like, wow, hold on now. Wait a minute. Like, let's keep it in perspective because personally, as a Pisces, as she is, as a fan of the person and the musician, I had to go make sure that I read up on what the hell was actually going on. So here are five takeaways that I got from this Erica Badu article. Right. Things I learned. Things that you can do if you read past Hitler. I don't even, I don't want to repeat it. Okay. We. I should probably have the exact quote, but. Okay. Anyway. I just want to say that this is why Beyonce doesn't do press, but go on. If you bring up, can I'm we do saying. one episode no, without no. without it? No, never. Okay. Over my dead body. I, I just now I know to prepare for yeah, it every for time. Sure. Whatever we're talking about, for she's sure. gonna make her way in there. Mm-hmm. We're gonna change it from more wine, please, to more lemonade, please. I just haven't told you about <laughs> it yet. It's like in the workings. I gotta like get you on board. That's why I mentioned Beyonce, so I can ease you into this. How about if we give you like a tribute episode? Like it can oh. be all about. Oh my god. That. Carter Don't get me excited. And, okay. Anyway, five takeaways from the Erica Badu article. Okay. Erica Badu's name on Twitter is Erica Badula. In the article, we learned that a doula is someone who helps women in childbirth and afterward. I didn't know that maybe. Yeah, like did. a midwife. Yes. She has done this in life. Mm-hmm. She has actively been a doula. That's dope. It is. It's cool. And number two, she's a Pisces like me. And she got into describing this group think that it's like she saw into the future. It's kind of what happened on Twitter after she made the Hitler comments. Anyway, number three. Erica Badu minds her damn business, okay? She was quoted in the article saying that she ain't put out no music because she ain't got no bad shit going on in her life right now, okay? And that's just like her, just like Lauren Hill, just like D'Angelo. They all doing good. And they put out music as a need when they need to Therapy. put something out. Yes. If you go on my Instagram, you can see all about it. I pulled pretty much the same things I'm talking about right now and posted on Instagram. Anyway, number four. These Hitler comments that she made, she cleaned it up. Okay? Mm, can you clean she up She apologized. I mean... She apologized. Listen. She said, you hey, because the guy, the the guy who was interviewing her was actually Jewish. Wow. Yeah. Icing on the cake. She's like, sorry, did I make you uncomfortable? And he got, you know, he asked her, you know, it's hard to discern the difference between sympathizing with someone as a person and the hateful and harmful beliefs that they held. And they had an exchange. And I just, you got to get the whole picture, right? The conversation wasn't about sympathizing with Hitler. It was to address accusations that she was anti-Semitic and she never even she never made comments that would lead one to believe that she was anti-Semitic but again you got to read the whole thing and she even posted on Twitter read the whole thing in the context or choose to become a part of this narrative that people have decided based off a quote to be sensational I mean here's (laughs) the thing people should be held accountable for the things they say your words are powerful, even more so when you are, when you have a platform such as hers. I mean, come on, it's the Erica Badu, right? 
And I think about that. And on the one hand, you be like, you want to say like, oh, you know, she didn't really. Of course, she's not anti-Semitic. Like, slip. Like, you know, she shouldn't have said it. But we forgive her. Let's move on. However, I think to if someone would have said something similar about David Duke, the you know KKK leader, I as a black person would have been like, um, excuse me, you see what? Like, no, you can't say stuff like that. So if we're going to hold people accountable, we have to hold everyone accountable, including Miss Badu, no matter how much we love her, no matter how much she's here for the culture. Um, I think she made a really, really big mistake. I'm glad that people are calling her out for it. I don't. I'm glad that she's been... I mean, in what world was it okay for you to... The quote you, was, you don't, I'm a humanist. I see good in everybody. I saw something good in Hitler. You can't see something good in I mean, it's it's just all the people people she could have used. I see where she was trying to be hyperbolic. I get that. Right? You know what I mean? But it's an exaggeration. I get that. But mm-mm. you just don't do <laughs> that. Mm-mm. You just don't. I get it. You don't. It's not something I would ever say. Sorry, sorry Erica. Mama E. Miss Badu. We anyway, love you, but... I think... All, anyone who's listening should go read the whole thing. But go yes, read the excerpt. Let us know what you think. You know, I'm article. curious. Yeah, let us know if you, you know, forgive Miss Badu or you're like, nah, sis, you're canceled. I literally, people, Erica Badu is canceled. Yeah, like, is she canceled? Or, or is she given a mulligan as uh, the or you, evangelical or you going down priest on her mixtape when it dropped? Donald Trump today for his uh, affair with Stormy oh Daniels? God, let's not. A mulligan or no mulligan? All right. Cancel or download the mixtape. There's a mixtape? It's dropped. She posted on Twitter today. I'm like, you knew exactly what you were doing. See, if you follow the coin, this is what it all comes down to. That man who wrote that article knew that it was going to be incendiary. So did she. It was like, fuck it. I mean, they said, uh, F it. Let's roll (laughs) with it. And now they both about to get rich. All right. So we sit here talking about it. To be continued. Hello. All right. Hey, hey. Hey. Um, we're here with the one and only, Miss Kendall Brightman. One and only. That's <laughs> the first time I'm hearing your last name. Yeah. Hi, Kendall. Brightman. You know, <laughs> it's very exciting. Thanks for being here with us. Thank um, you. Kendall, who are you? What do you do? Takes a sip of wine. <laughs> <laughs> As we all do, and we all should. So um, I, like you guys, am in the news business, uh, producing, so a lot of... Uh, Checking Trump's Twitter feed. That's basically become a full-time job. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. For all of us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But um, besides that, I just moved back to D.C. I went to college here, moved away, moved to New York, came back, and am now living a half a block away from where I used to live when I previously lived in D.C. because just had to go back. But I had like this whole idea that I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just work out of, out of New York. But then it gets kind of exhausting. You're like want to be out in the field you're in an office all the time so it kind of called me back as far as just wanting to get back in it so yeah that's why i'm here yeah 
Nice. We're happy to have you. Um, so first tell us, do you identify as a member of the LGD, LGBTQ community? Yes, I do. So um, I myself am gay or a lesbian, depending on what you want to use. For some reason, I like the word gay better. I don't know why. My mother tends to whisper the word lesbian because she doesn't really <laughs> like the word. Not that she has anything against it, but for some reason when I'm talking to her, she'll be like, so lesbians, and um, <laughs> and it always makes me laugh, and I think that I, for some reason, I've taken that on a little bit, but it's, uh, I guess, in the, in terms of life, a generally new-ish development, because it's been about, like, two-ish years, so for me, it feels like forever, well, because I kind of feel like looking back, I always was, well, I know that I always was, but... In the whole grand scheme of things, I'm still considered to be a little bit, a little bit new, fresh. So tell us about your mom and your family. What was it like two years ago? Take us back to that day when you were like, this is it. I've had enough. I'm going to be my truest self. Okay. So it's actually a fun story. So um, I was in a relationship with a guy for about five years. And the funny part was that during that time, I had a lot of friends um, for because we're on a podcast, I have I have short hair, very short hair, and I think and I am dressed like a boyish uh, right now and always. You're and stylish. So, thank you, thank you, like a stylish young boy, <laughs> <laughs> a nice charming young man. No. A nice charming young man, and so. Um, there was always kind of this this joke going around with my friends. They'd always say, like, when are you going to admit that you're gay? And it was a whole ongoing thing. And I'd be like, LOL. And then it became funnier because I did. And so I, um, so I broke up uh, with my boyfriend at the time and kind of consider my coming out to be from there because that was my first move to kind of accept who I was, who I am. And um, from there, I kind of slowly started to tell people, kind of dependent on who it was. For some people, I'd say, like, I'm, I think I might be. For some people, I immediately said that I am. Um, for my parents, it took a little bit longer because I didn't feel like I needed to take them on this ride of self-discovery. I wanted to wait until I knew for sure how I was feeling until I came out to them. Also, because I never go home, I didn't want to... Or I go home very rarely. I didn't want to just, like call up my mom and dad and have that conversation over the phone. So for them, it took a few more months because I came home for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> oh, so that was her Mother's Day gift. That was the Mother's Day gift. Yeah, so, well, well, actually, technically, I told her on a Friday, Mother's Day is on a Sunday. Very But nice. we still, we will forever refer to it as Mother's Gay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I love mean, it. So how old were you when you told the first person you ever told? Um... Let me think. I guess I was 23 or 24. Sheesh. Okay. Yeah. So, so it was also like later on in my life in the scheme of certain things. For example, when I first came out, it was really weird to feel like I was very much 23, 24 when um, in, in my career and in my personal life and in my friendships. And it was very weird to kind of feel like a 16 year old again, as far as your sexuality, just like not really understanding how to talk to people or how to even ask somebody on a date or anything like that. It made you feel kind of like this child in some, in some aspects of your life, or at least not as mature as you do in other aspects of your life. And that was kind of, that kind of threw me off a little bit. I wasn't expecting that for yeah. sure. So 24 years, it's a pretty damn long time. I yeah. mean, do you feel like it was a burden to carry a secret or what was it like for you to keep that a secret for that long? 
Well, so I've actually, I've talked to a bunch of people about this. I, um, I don't really ever consider myself as like somebody who was closeted. Like I wasn't sitting there like, oh my God, I'm gay and I can't tell anybody. Like that was never a thought that I had. I knew because I just always kept a certain kind of community around me that happens to actually be very gay. So that was great when I came out. Um, and my parents have always been very accepting that I knew that I would be received well by the people that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I think hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think that it was always there, but I think that it was harder to identify for me, especially as a woman. I've talked to a lot of people about this, about the fact that like current society, if you're a man and you're like, wow, that dude's really hot, like you're likely gay. Women, it's not the same way. Like, I was sitting there for years, 24 years, thinking that everyone, all other women, when I'd be like, oh, that woman's hot, that everyone felt the same way. Because <laughs> yeah. there's this whole thing about, like, girl crushes and things like that. So it was hard for me to identify that, like, no, this feeling that I'm having is not something that other people are feeling or little things like never having, like, this male celebrity crush, always having, like, crushes on women, but thinking that that was just a product of all women find each other beautiful and then it wasn't until I started like until I broke up with my boyfriend started dating women where I was like no this is I've never I've never felt more like myself but when it was when I wasn't out I didn't feel like I wasn't me if that makes any sense it just kind of opened that all up to me yeah you mentioned girl crushes do you feel at all that um, lesbian relationships are sexualized in everyday life oh yeah for sure um, I mean, I think that they are sexualized. I've been out dancing and you have uh, guys that'll look at you for their for their own benefit. Um, but beyond that, I also just think that there is this whole weird less of an acceptance, I guess, for lesbians than there are for gay men. I was talking the other day about how you see all these, like, being gay is being accepted more and more. That's fabulous. But Yeah, it's not um, cool to be anti-gay yeah, anymore. Oh, that's ab- it, absolutely know? not. And so, at least according to me. Um, <laughs> but so, but there you see so many, like, in advertisements and things, you see a lot of gay men. I saw, like, a Zola commercial for wedding registries with two gay men. And I was like, that's great. But you never really, you don't really see that much lesbian um, representation in like pop culture, in uh, advertisements. I mean, DC is a pretty gay city, but there are no exclusively lesbian bars. So right, there is like, this weird kind of othering that goes with being a lesbian than there is with being just a gay male that I find. How can all the movements become more intersectional in the sense that you are a woman, so you are you have women that are going to the women's marches. You know, mm-hmm. and then there's the LGBTQ community, which has its own rallies. And sometimes, as you said, those are more uh, male focused or male dominated. Not all the time, but perhaps some people may consider it to be that way. And so how do we bridge that gap between I'm a woman and I'm fighting for women's rights. I also identify as a member of the LGBTQ community and I'm also fighting for those rights as well. And those two things are, are have to be intersectional for me because I identify all around. Yeah, I mean, when I one thing that I was thinking about right right after I came out, my mom and I were having a discussion and she was talking about the whole statistic about I think it's like 72 cents to the dollar as far as men and how that's almost that's doubled now. That consideration for me if I were to have a partner that I married, it's the whole idea about it's two women in a relationship 
fighting to move up in their jobs, fighting to be taken seriously in their jobs, fighting to get equal pay, like that type of stuff. So it becomes, you, you become hypersensitive to that. Um, but I think that there is a, I'm trying to think of exactly how to answer that. I mean, I think that women can be more accepting of, or straight women can be more accepting of lesbian culture by doing things such as dispelling the word girl crush, like just let it be a crush. If you, if it's a woman, that's fine, but it makes it a little bit less othered. But I do think that the, when I was speaking with voters at the women's March, that there was a much bigger awareness to LGBTQ rights and, and, uh, issues that I was happy to hear about. And also, this is my this is my little rant about about straight women and gay communities. Um so I will admit like when but when I was self-identifying as straight, like you could find me frequently at Nelly's, fine. Nelly's gay sports bar for those who aren't in DC. Well, on paper. Yeah. You know, walk in there today. Exactly. <laughs> this is what I'm getting to. Okay, yes. get, there, so, get there. So like example, town's closing. Town is another gay bar in Washington, DC. And I saw all of these women posting, straight women posting about how uh, this was a safe space for them and they could dance and feel and feel okay. And I totally I'm not saying that that's that's a bad argument to make. Totally get that. But when I just kind of felt like when you are gay and when, you, but uh, it's not until you are in that situation that you realize like what a safe space really means for people. Like there are obvious things, like, but I never thought about them before. For example, kissing somebody in public. Obviously that's nerve wracking, but until you're standing outside and your eyes are closed and you don't know if people on the block are okay with, with that, it just you don't realize how vulnerable of a situation, how much of a stand that kind of is to do that in public. And so you don't realize until you're in that moment how important these types of safe spaces are. So yeah, like women, straight women can say that this was a place that they felt safe, but I just felt like in a lot of that situation, it was kind of made a conversation about how women could go there and feel safe. Meanwhile, then you walk into Nellie's and you want to feel like you can just be yourself and meet fellow gays and it's not that way anymore and it kind of feels like those spaces while it's great that the straight community is so accepting of gay spaces and and will go to them and straight men can feel completely fine being there like that's that's a huge thing in and of itself it's also there there is type of at least I feel this kind of feeling that it's like let it like let those moments be be moments for the gay community to talk about to talk about safe spaces. And sure, it could be your safe space too, but like it's not about you. No, I completely understand. And for me, as a straight black woman, I think the parallel would be um, safe spaces for people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, I am a black woman, and like if I'm okay with Robin Thicke winning winning a BET award, and I love Justin Timberlake as much as the next person. <laughs> however, however. If the BET Awards, if the Soul Train Awards, if, if uh, you know, the NAACP Image Awards started to become solely focused on white artists that, while they enjoy R&B and, and black music, I'm using my air, air marks here, um, if they started to infiltrate that space, 
that would bother me because this is our safe space space. Yeah. because we don't get that equal opportunity at the Grammys. We're still fighting. Beyonce didn't win. Yes, I'm still mad. I don't care what enough you guys say, William. No, no, no. Every episode we will we will Can mention we Beyonce. Not but Beyonce lost once. to Adele, who I love Adele. But my point is, we're not equally represented at, at the Oscars, at the Grammys. And so when we have the BET Awards, when we have the NAACP Awards, when we have these awards that are dedicated for black people that were created because we were excluded from the Grammys, we were excluded from the Oscars, it's okay for you to be there, but do not take over our space. Exactly. And and then it becomes this conflicting issue where it's like, I want to have my community integrated. Like, that's the whole idea is that you want everyone to, like, that they're, that at one point the idea should be that there shouldn't be these like safe spaces that everywhere should be safe and everybody should be able to just live however they want to to live but it's so it's just like this conflicting type of feeling where i think that it's great that that heterosexual people f- find themselves safe in a in a gay community because let's be honest years ago that wouldn't be the thing like you try to drag a straight friend of yours to go to a gay bar with you so it's kind of like where is this threshold where we want to integrate other people but also keep it our space and I think that that's one of the interesting things that I found about going to the same exact places because I went to college here going to the same exact places when I was self-identifying as straight than when I was self-identifying as gay and how they changed so much for me about like what they what they meant and what they are as far as an institution of the community one thing that I found that was really interesting that I've been I've talked with a bunch of people about has been that I am I'm a feminist and I don't really think don't really I didn't really think of myself as somebody that was kind of prescribing to dating norms or things like that like I wasn't sitting there waiting for a man to pull out my chair and I wasn't like waiting for a man to pick up my check or anything like that but when I came out I found myself kind of struggling with with roles and things for example like picking places I'm also just the most indecisive person in the world but when I was talking to women what's your uh astrology sign I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, okay, I had another thing about that, but I just know there are some signs that I know very well that are very wishy-washy, indecisive. Anyway, continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just like when you when when you are planning a date, even picking the place, or when you are out on a date and like splitting checks. I mean, obviously that was my go-to regardless, but it just going in like going in first for like a kiss or asking the person out I didn't realize until I had come out that I had relied on men weirdly to do those things until it was kind of like that whole situation's removed who's gonna who's gonna kind of assume that role and I mean it like switches because obviously no one's like prescribed that role but it was interesting to me as kind of a wake-up call of like, wow, I really was actually depending on this kind of stuff in a lot of instances in my life. Uh, I bought into the patriarchy, goddammit. No, ser- no. Like, seriously, <laughs> like when I, when I like first left a date with a girl, I was like, uh, so what's going on now? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do I do? Related to what you were just saying, I've actually met gay people who when the decision was made that gay people would be allowed to get married mm-hmm. in this country, we're like, that's bullshit. But you, they don't like it. We, they don't like it. Yeah. They don't want it. I have it. a few friends that they don't like need that it too. Because the LGBTQ community has always kind of lived on this fringe of mm-hmm. what society is and what it expects. Yeah. And 
but it's kind of trying to maintain that culture. Yeah. And rejecting this heteronormative idea of monogamy and the lifestyle that straight people tend to live. Mm -hmm. And kind of like what you were just saying, it's like rediscovering what those roles are going to be in terms of relationships and the way you interact in daily life, going on dates and that type of thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts about how, as we become more progressive as a society, as the laws start to change, where the community fits into our norms? Like, first of all, I guess about gay marriage, like where do you stand and what do you think more broadly about that? So um, I've definitely heard that argument, but I think that I come at it with a little bit more of a, of a different perspective. So um, for background, uh, my uncle was gay. He was um, very important to me. He passed away, but he was with um, a man for 22 years before that. And so basically for my entire life before, before he had passed away. And so when he had passed away, he, um, my uncle, um, he, uh, my uncle was, um, not given any of the rights that a spouse would have. So he didn't have any say over where my uncle, my Mm -hmm. blood related uncle would be buried. He didn't Mm -hmm. have any say over really what was going on in the hospital. We had to, we had to sort of pass messages along to him on what was going to happen. So for me, the whole idea about being in the fringe is a little bit for for me when I when I think about being in the fringe for me what's more important is that if I'm with somebody for my entire for their entire life I want to be afforded the same rights that a like he was afforded the same rights that the next door neighbor would have but he was his husband so I want to be afforded the rights to be able to make decisions on behalf of my partner if they are not able to make decisions for themselves. So I come at it as far as like a legal standards type of right, that it's great to make this stand about like, we want to be on the fringe and heteronormativity of marriage. But the reason there's a lot of reasons why people get married. And one of them is to prescribe to this idea but the other one is because you're you're given rights that you're not given if you're just another person in somebody's life absolutely um what would you say to people who talk about the gay agenda which is (laughs) have you heard about this yeah no i like that we're just trying to make everyone else gay right so this idea that the gay agenda is (laughs) infiltrating our television shows our children um let's just say for example i think it was nick that decided that they were going to have their first um, gay character on like a very popular kid show that's geared towards children maybe ages 7 to 12 or mm-hmm. something like that and they got a lot of backlash about it I mean I think that having as many voices as possible is on any platform is good and I think that had that been something that I had had maybe I would have identified earlier on that I am gay that I was, it was always just like a very, like I didn't really realize what was happening. Uh, my ex-boyfriend used to joke that I would always struggle for like two hours on what to wear. And it was because I, I like just didn't feel myself, but I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on how I didn't feel myself and what that, what that meant. And now I like get ready in like five seconds. And I'm like, cool. So yeah. like, I think that having those kind of characters in in your life is important. I mean, and I would be just as open about having a character on a show that was, I don't know, like very religious. It's like having those different 
voices and ideas are just more reflective on life. And like, we have a talking backpack on TV on Dora the Explorer. Like, why can't we have a gay person on TV? Like, I just, there's a literal fox that steals things. Like, sorry, I'm, I'm just on Dora the Explorer for some reason. But like, no, yeah, just, now that you talk about it, we like, should like, are we going to normalize? Are we going to normalize talking backpacks? Like, is that what's talking happening maps? right now? Like, our kids are going to start having, talking backpacks. Are they going to start like having in depth conversations with their backpacks? Like, who freaking knows? There are a lot of people who I think struggle with their sexuality, especially at a young age. Being in the closet can be tough. And is there any advice that you would give to someone who may be having a hard time with just accepting themselves and building confidence and being okay with who they are? Um, I, again, was never somebody that felt like they were closeted. Right. But I, when I came out, never felt more confident in myself and happy with myself than when I was just being like completely true to myself. So I would say, I mean, it's obviously easier said than done, but my advice would be that it is always worth it to just truly be yourself because it's going to make you happier. I didn't consider myself to be an unhappy person. When I say that, like, closeted, like, I wasn't sitting there upset. I wasn't saying, like, I wish that I could just go through with this type of thing. But even then, even when I wasn't having those feelings, there were it, it was crazy how I'd wake up in the morning and just feel, like, automatically so happy just because I was myself, even though I didn't feel like I wasn't myself before. So I would say that for all of the struggle, and I don't mean to say that there hasn't been a struggle because I've had people who have been been ignorant. It wasn't the easiest coming. Like even when, even though my parents were really accepting, my family was really accepting, and everyone around me was very accepting. It wasn't like it was easy for me to come out. So even with that struggle, it I would never say that that wasn't worth it for how I feel right now. So I would say that being yourself is going to make you happy even though there are going to be moments where getting to towards being yourself doesn't make you happy we want to thank you guys so much for listening this week yes it has been a pleasure having you as our viewers please let us know what you listeners, think listeners listeners it's a podcast they can't see us you're gonna view us on the instagram right because you're gonna give us that follow Right. Subscribe on iTunes. Right. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well. Go to our website. And we haven't updated the blog, but you can still get the first one to read. Tell a friend about it. Tell us. Give us your feedback. Tell your mom about it. Um, let us know if you like it, want to change it, think we need more wine, tweak it, drop it, flip it, and reverse it. <laughs> it's Ram Ram and Nick Frank. Oh, my gosh. Did you see that where it was like um, mysteries that will always go unsolved? What is It's in reverse. Say? I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Okay. It's something in reverse. Oh. Look, good things you don't know. Job. <laughs> Girl. We'll catch you guys next week on another episode of More, More Wine, Wine please. please. Peace. Love. Uh, you didn't have to oh. do all that, girl. And we could have just. So- <laughs> <laughs>